thank you for the introduction, although I still, uh, when they say they're newly appointed missionary, sounds like I'm really going to pack my household and go <laughs> to the mission field. Um, I'll be traveling to, to Timor-Leste uh, uh, more times next year, <clears throat> and I'll be helping the, the work that's already that's been established there. There is a, a church in, in March. The church is going to turn 20 years. It's incredible. And, um, and we honor Brother Michael and Sister Diane Perry, who actually were the missionaries that were actually um, in Timor-Leste for many, many, many years and supporting the work there. Now, we, we believe with the Overseas Missions Department that, uh, that the work is continues to grow and they are, have a national body now called Igreja Pentecostal Unida of Timor-Leste. I am learning Tetan, which is a national language. I don't know how far I'll get, um, but, um, but we are excited about that and the opportunity of going and, and, and sharing and, and ministering there as well. I speak Spanish, so Tetan's base language is Portuguese. So we, we get to pick up each other's main words, keywords in conversation and um, I get to, um, you know, they get amazed when sometimes I just catch what they're saying. <laughs> they think, oh, that's just, I'm just getting the key words and I know the context, that's how I'm working it out. But, but God is good. I want to give honor to my mom who's always here and supporting me. And uh, she's a great lady, a lady that loves to pray and, um, and I love her dearly. And, uh, and everybody that is here, my family at POCC, woo! <laughs> We love you, and it's, and it's such an honor to stand here and bring the word of God. Um, if you want to follow us on Facebook, Overseas Missions has a Facebook, and you can search it as UPCA uh, Overseas Missions, and you will find, and you can you can follow our work in Timor Leste and also in the Pacific region. So we appreciate if you keep us in your prayers, and, uh, and I'll continue to bring you reports next year. So um, there, there is some, there's a message that God put in my heart um, the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and we have Thanksgiving, the, the American brothers, uh, sisters celebrate Thanksgiving. And it was a great opportunity and a confirmation to me that, that God wants, wanted me to, to speak um, on this particular subject. And I'd like us to turn to two scriptures. First one is uh, 1 Thessalonians 18, verses 16 to 18. If you would like to stand for the reading of your word in honor of God's word, that would be great. So 1 Thessalonians 18, verses 16 to 18 say, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So if you want to find out what God's will for your life is right there, plainly tells you that his will is for you to give him thanks. And now we turn to Psalms 100, verses 1 to 5. And it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. 
Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. I'd like to speak to you tonight about the attitude of gratitude. Amen. The attitude of gratitude. Brother Greg, would you pray for the word? Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time that we have together. And Lord, we thank you for what you have already done in this service, the moving of your spirit. We felt your presence so powerfully. I pray, Lord, that you would use Marcella as she brings forth the word yes. today. That you would anoint her, Lord. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open to receive from you, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would actually act on it and apply it to our lives. Have your way in this place today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So here I have a question for you. Do you see the glass half full or the glass half empty? In different situations and circumstances. What is your instinctive reaction? You said to see it half full or to see it the part that is empty? In medicine today, there's a raising, there's a raising awareness of the benefits of, of having a gratitude, a grateful attitude. And that is one of the values that is fostered in different treatment and recovery centers now across the world. There's um, lots, to, lots of research that support this. Simply, you just go and search on the net um, and you will see different books and different websites that are dedicated um, sections about being grateful and having a, an attitude of gratitude. Um, so gratitude is a powerful emotion. Right? By giving and receiving simple thank you messages, we can truly gain pleasure that we may seek in the many other places and we can't have. Gratitude comes from the Latin word grazia. I said it in an Italian accent, but it should be a Greek accent or a Latin accent. Uh, means gratefulness and thankfulness. It is, simplest, it is the simplest form. Gratitude refers to the state of thankfulness or the state of being grateful. Now, psychologists have defined gratitude as a positive emotional response that we receive or perceive when somebody gives us something or we're receiving a benefit from someone else. And in any form, being grateful can enlighten the mind and make us feel happier. Isn't, isn't that great, particularly for parents where the child says thank you? You go, oh, it warms my heart. My child says thank you. And it has healing effects, according to some of the research. So here are some of the benefits. Um, number one, psychological benefits. Here we go. Thank you, Nat, for putting that up. So psychological, there's some psychological benefits. There's going to be a happier you when you have an attitude of gratitude. Uh, you're going to experience positive emotions and thoughts. You're going to be more aware and more awake. You are going to have an increased um, self-satisfaction and your mood will be enhanced. Physical benefits, there'll be a fitter you. Stronger immune system, less body pains and aches, optimal blood pressure and cardiac function, better sleep-wake cycles, and also social benefits, better communication, more empathy, stronger interpersonal relationships, more likeability like among group members, and more involvement as a team member. So these are some of the benefits. I'm not gonna bore you with all this research. I could 
pass you the link, right? Um, but gratitude, as, as we can see, is, is associated with so many um, um, opportunities for us to feel happiness. Whether we say thank you to someone or we receive the same thing, um, the feeling continues to grow and, um, and we feel encouraged and satisfied. Um, expressing gratitude helps in building and sustaining long-term relationships, deal with adversity and bounce back from them with, with strength and motivation. I love this quote, it says, it is not happiness that brings gratitude, but it is gratitude that brings us happiness. There are also some brain functions, which I won't put up there, so, Nat, so if you took your time to do it, we're just going to skip that. I will just mention um, gratitude and the brain, all right? Gratitude releases toxic emotions. Gratitude reduces pain. Gratitude improves sleep quality. Um, aids in stress regulation and gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. So many people in these treatments, they're encouraged to keep a journal. They call it the gratitude journal. Um, I know some people that journal is part of their habits. Um, must say I'm not a, f a fan of writing, um, but I could take the challenge in 2024 uh, to keep a gratitude journal. And here are a few things that you and I, perhaps if you want to start a gratitude journal, can write about. Um, compliments that I would like to give myself today. That's a hard one, isn't it? But that will be good practice. Current challenges and what I am learning from them. I could write that down and be thankful for those. Um, people, people that I can be grateful for. Uh, and maybe some of the things and the benefits that I have, my assets or where I live and, and, and the things that God provides. But the most important thing to journal about will be about all the things that God has done for me that year. Amen? To look at the glass half full, look at the part that is full. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Right? The glass half full. I must confess, I hate when I buy soft drink and three quarters of it is ice. Does that happen? I have to confess that. I often ask, no ice please. <laughs> if I'm paying for something, I want the real thing. Don't water it down for me, right? So I don't like that. But often we want that, has, that glass full. Like me buying a soft drink, you know? I want a full. And it's easy to overlook the simpleness, but yet profound act of giving thanks. We take many things for granted nowadays. You know, the people even that we see every day, you know? The young team that packs our groceries into our bags, the person that gives way when we indicate that we want to change lanes. Our laundry gets done and put away. Come on, somebody. Right? Um, a ride to work or a ride to school. Uh, and when our children do something we did not ask them to do. Our schedules, deadlines, reminder, alarms, they all are useful tools to keep us and everyone else around us organized. Everything has a time. Giving thanks to God should be every day and it should be spontaneous. We shouldn't schedule. 
It, shouldn't, it should be beyond a church time on Sundays at BRCC Navarra Community Center, 5 p.m. And it should be beyond giving thanks for our food before we eat. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, many offerings and sacrifices, they were scheduled at particular times of the year and for particular purposes. There was a uh, sacrifice of atonement or an atonement offering. There was a peace offering. There was a sin offering. There was a guilt offering. And there was a grain offering. Now this last offering, the grain offering, was a, an offering of devotion. It was an offering of worship and thanksgiving, the grain offering. Now I want us to notice something important about it. In Leviticus 22, 19, it tells us that there's no scheduled time for this offering. It actually says, and when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. How powerful is that? When it's time to thank God, it's up to you how much and how often. You, didn't have, you know, we don't have to wait. You know, we know that now we're in a new dispensation and we don't wait to, to do things for the Lord or we don't wait to be forgiven. We ask and we repent and we turn away of, um, from our sins and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. In those times, everything had a time. But this particular time, the Lord said, you know, you don't have to wait once a year to come and give God thanks or show him your devotion and show him your love. It is up to you how often and how exuberant your offering can be. It's up to you. This is powerful. This is powerful. No limit in the amount or how frequent. Let God receive the thanks and praise wherever and whenever I want. Psalms resonates with the message of thankfulness. And that continues to inspire, it continues to charge us, and to, for us to offer timeless expressions of thanks, celebrating and blessing the Lord. And here are a few Psalms. Psalm 107 verse 1. All give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 717. I will give the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Psalm 5014. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Psalm 6930. I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. 103 verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For he forgives all your iniquity. Come on. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Psalm 28, 7. I'm not done. The Lord is my strength, and in him my heart trusts. Psalm 75, 1. Give thanks to you, O God. I do it because um, your name is near to me. Psalm 100, we read it. Enter into his gates, verse 4, with thanksgiving, 
and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the law is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Hallelujah. What an opportunity we have each day to thank him for all that he has done. As we read Psalms 100, this is a great psalm to memorize now that it's the end of the year to look back and to say, God, your goodness follows me. God, I will enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Verse 4 highlights us the type of attitude we should have when we approach his gates. We have access to his promises, to his kingdom, but at the gates, the psalmist tells us to check our attitude. It says, and come with thanksgiving in your heart. It is often said that Generation Y, or Millennials, is the generation of entitlements. Those who reached adulthood around the turn of the century, if you are between 30 and 40, you are considered a millennial. Please don't take this personal. <laughs> I was reading some research papers on millennials, and the article said that this generation is ruled by unrealistic expectations of what surrounds them. Some bosses, they say that their attitude often affects their performance when it's time to work uh, in the line of duty. They feel entitled to a planet to live on, a system that isn't rigged against them. And general, generally, most millennials have or prefer brands, <laughs> right? They want to spend their money with brands. So but entitlement is a human condition that is not exclusive to millennials. So everybody, humans, by nature, we are selfish, we're self-focused. Paul in 1 Timothy mentions that selfishness and boastfulness are some of the characteristics of the humans, uh, of humanity in the last days. And we have to work, we have to be intentional at working and overcoming our selfish behaviours because they will spring up. And if not careful, the attitude of being ungrateful or the attitude of being entitled can creep into our relationship with others and into our relationship with God. You know, we often say to children, you know, I'm an adult, that's why you say what you do. I mean, you do what I say, that's what I mean. You know, I'm an adult, you know, you, you follow my direction because I'm entitled to your respect, and therefore you must follow, right? And I kind of agree part of it, but truly respect is earned, right? Even with children, you must earn that. Um, but yes, this entitlement attitude can affect us, all right, including our relationship with God. We have access, like we said, to all of God's promises. The word says that, we're, that we have not because we ask not. It is possible that we limit God, um, we, we limit our gratitude towards God if a prayer is not answered in the way that we expect it to be answered. It is possible that consciously or unconsciously we withhold back our thanks to the Lord. We only think that a testimony is truly worth sharing when we cross the finish line, when we enter into the promised land, when God has saved us from a tragedy, or when our provision comes from heaven. That's when I'm going to testify. 
only when I have arrived. That's when I'm going to say thanks to God, when I've arrived. But this afternoon, I want us to remind us to check our attitudes. Is our attitude one of gratefulness? Are we entering into his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts before anything is answered? It is not about what we have, but it's about what we don't have and being grateful for that. In Psalms 100 verse 5 tells us the reason why we should give thanks and it is because God is good and because his mercy is everlasting and because his truth, his faithfulness, his stability lasts across all generations. Amen. Amen. There's a story as we were talking about what I was going to share. Sister Gina reminded me about the story of all the ten lepers, right? In Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. And here's a great example of God's love and his willingness to go beyond the religious parameters of the time. We read about the ten lepers. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were on the move at the time and they were traveling in the border of the south um, area of Galilee and the north end of where the Samaritans lived. So that area was racially mixed area. And leprosy in biblical times was a terrible thing. We're not exactly sure what uh, Bible leprosy was. While it may be described similar to here they call the nowadays Hansen's disease. There were probably included other type of skin diseases as well. But whatever it was, um, once a person caught it, that caught it, it was considered incurable. And those diagnosed with leprosy were banned from society. In Leviticus 13, tells us just how a, what a person had to do in order um, to continue to, to live, but they couldn't live among the people. But they said the person with such an infection disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone and he must live outside the camp. Now the story says that as Jesus was going to, into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And it wasn't uncommon for lepers to, grow, to group themselves and to find their own little society. The society of the unclean the society of the untouched. Being just outside the village, it was very common for them to dwell, since probably they were getting food from their relatives, um, family members or friends that were near the village that had pity on them. Then they stood a distance away as Jesus traveled with his, his disciples, and the Bible says that from afar, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They immediately recognized him and called out his name. Now they didn't ask anything else but for pity. They have been saying this phrase all their lives, ever since they were diagnosed with leprosy and they were sent away out of their villages. They didn't ask for healing, but for pity. Whatever Jesus may give them, food, clothing, shelter maybe, Whatever he decided to offer, it was fine with them. They knew Jesus' reputation for compassion. 
But did they really know he could heal them? I'm not sure. And the Bible says that when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And the Bibles, and then as they were going, they were cleansed, the Bible says. Now the significance of the priests in Jesus' instruction is that only the priests, according to the Jewish law, could declare a person healed of leprosy. So we're not told how they discovered that they were healed, but I imagine that it probably didn't take long. They looked at each other and started to notice, where's your leprosy? Your face is clear. The skin of your hands is soft and it's even. And they began to examine themselves. And sure enough, they were healed. What a celebration. The group continued their way to show themselves to the priests. And maybe later, they decided to enter into, into the respective villages and show themselves to their families and friends. All but one. The Bible says that one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. All ten lepers realized that they were healed, but only one came all the way back to Jesus, praising God for his mercy and healing. Now he threw himself at Jesus' feet as a sign of humility. I imagine him touching Jesus, no doubt. He gave glory to God and thanked him. The thankful leper perhaps did not know that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, but certainly gave him credit for being God's instrument for his healing. And I love Jesus' words to him in verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go that way. Thy faith have made thee whole. Some scholars believe that this man was not only healed, but that he was completely restored. New skin, new ears, new nose. Can you imagine him going back to his friends? All complete, if that's the case. All those that were healed before said, Where'd you got your nose? How come you got ears? Now, here's what stood out to me as I read this passage this time. What stood out to me is that there's no secret to have great faith. There is no better way to demonstrate and exercise our faith than giving thanks. We often question ourselves when a prayer remains unanswered. And we think if, if the reason that God hasn't responded yet is that we don't have enough faith. But look what Philippians says in chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Great faith is nothing mystical and years of Bible school and years of being a Christian. Great faith is knowing when and how to thank God. That is when great faith is manifested. 
Thank him in advance. Would you do that? Trust him in advance. Thank him for the glass being half empty. Can you thank him for the glass being half empty? Praise him for the things that you, that you do have as well. The glass half full. As I call Sister Steph to come. We can be thanking God for so many things. His unfailing love, His grace, by making Himself a body and coming and dying on the cross for us. We can thank Him for victory through His name, for His law, for the faith of others that cheer us along the way. We can thank him for what he has done. He's answered me. He's saved me. He has redeemed me. A sinner, a chief of all sinners. He has qualified me, even, was, even though I wasn't qualified, to take this gospel to those that don't know him. We can thank him for who he is. He is good. He is love. He is faithful. He is just. You must trust that God is just in your life. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't compare yourself with what others have. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And he is just. If you don't have the prayer yet, why don't you thank him for now, from now on? Why don't you come and thank him? Thank him. Thank him by faith that he is good. If you are seeking the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that when we come to him, we should thank him. There's no way you can get the Spirit of God inside if you're always begging. Begging is not going to get you anywhere. Receive His forgiveness. Embrace the move of the Spirit. And thank Him for filling you with His Spirit. Why don't we all stand? Brother Greg, would you like to take it? Hallelujah. God is a good God. His mercy endures forever. So tonight I invite you by faith, right, that you come and thank Him for something for your half-empty glass. Come and thank Him for the very thing that you are praying and waiting for. Thank Him first. Lift your hands, worship Him. You're doing this by faith. And there's no better way to show him faith and to operate in faith than when we thank him and praise him and honor him. So there is a need in your heart. Come forward. It's not complex, right? It's not complex. It's simple. It's humbling ourselves. 
taking that step of faith. And if you're too shy to come on your own, grab somebody next to you. Invite them to come along. Invite them to come along. And step by faith, this altar is open in Jesus' name.